This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. Welcome to On the Cover, a weekly Madsplainers feature. I'm podcast producer Natalie Yar, and each week I sit down with the reporter behind our latest cover story to find out why it matters. Today I'm talking with Cap Times food editor and arts writer Lindsay Christians, who's been looking into what exactly is up with weddings these days and what that means for couples and the businesses that depend on them. Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. You write in your story that back in spring, many couples thought that if they just delayed their weddings by a few months, the pandemic would have blown over. What are you seeing people do now? So the spring weddings, there was there was a survey that I was reading. I think it was done by Zola, um, which is a wedding website. They said that about 30% of couples were moving forward in spring and the rest were postponing or canceling. And in, by the time summer rolled around, we're seeing more like 75% of couples moving ahead in some way, just because I think we all had an idea of the pandemic being something that would be resolved faster than it has been. So one of the things you're seeing is these couples from spring, they maybe postponed, some of them postponed to like August or October. And now those dates aren't certain either. So you end up with you know, a couple who's postponed and then postponed again and then has shrunk their guest list and then, you know, made their guest list big again for if they're going to do it next year, but then they also want to maybe have it this year. And it just gets to be wedding planning is already stressful, but the pandemic has made it 10 times more stressful and more financially complicated as well. Yeah. I think back to like at this back in March, you know, we went home to work from home for, we were like, oh, it's like two weeks, right? Like, yeah. So it was a different time then. Very much so. And I think people also thought, I mean, even now they're thinking, like, I want to have the day that I always dreamed of. I was never really a, a girl in school who like had a binder with wedding dresses picked out. Like, I was never really that into that. But I, I do think it's a really interesting cultural phenomenon, right, whether it's a secular wedding or a religious one, that you you see images of in media. You see it in, in movies and you see, you know, everybody knows when you see a bride walking down the street, you know that that person is a bride because of how she's dressed and the things that are happening around her. You know, it's it's a big deal. And I think people really wanted to have their day, the day that they dreamed of, and how people are going about trying to still have that is really interesting. Yeah. And so obviously, I I imagine some of these couples are hesitant about doing that wedding the way they planned or dreamed because of just general fears for public safety and public health. But there are also some restrictions right now that are changing what people are allowed to do, right? Exactly. So Dane County, currently, you're allowed to have 10 people inside uh, if you have an event that you've planned. Now, that's different uh, for like a restaurant, which can operate at 25% of capacity indoors, for example, or uh, churches, which are allowed to operate, I think, at 50% of capacity, right? If you have an outdoor wedding or an outdoor 
reception, you can have up to 25 people. Some of the wedding venue owners are pretty upset that they're being regulated so differently than, say, a restaurant, right? You might have a 9,000 square foot venue like the Tinsmith that's still only allowed to have 10 people inside. Whereas, you know, if you've got a big restaurant, you can have 25% of your capacity and it's not going to be 10 people, right? It's going to be more like 50. So that's really, that's been really interesting. Um, I'm, I've also heard from every vendor I spoke with, I heard about couples who are moving outside of Dane County so they can still have at least partially the wedding that they dreamed of. So, uh, and I joined some wedding message boards and I was upfront about what I was doing. I was doing research, right, for the story. But I joined some wedding message boards and I saw mainly brides talking about like, I want to have 175 people at my wedding. I want to have 250 people at my wedding. You know, what are some venues that are outside of Madison and Milwaukee that I might be able to do that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you you join these message boards, you talk to a variety of couples about weddings that have happened or that are planned. And some of the couples you talk to, you know, for some of them, the virus already felt extra personal. Can you tell me about how those couples were navigating this situation differently than other couples might be? Yeah. So one of the couples I spoke with was Toya Robinson and Patrice Harrell. They live in Watertown um, and they, um, I know she works here in Monona. She works in Monona here. And they had already been, they were already engaged and they had set their wedding date for September 12th. And uh, in April, early April, Patrice's mom passed away from COVID-19. Um, she died and she knew that that had been their wedding date. They really wanted to keep that date, but they also knew they could not have a gathering of people um, in good conscience. And so they've decided to have a, an extremely small, like in uh, Reverend Marcus Allen's office with like two witnesses and him and them. And that's pretty much going to be it. And then they're going to have a big party with their family as soon as they're able to do so where they can hug people and they can be close to people. A lot of folks that I talked with said, you know, when you have a wedding or a wedding reception, people, it's, it's a family's coming together, making one new family and people want to hug each other. They want to be close. They don't want to wear masks. They don't want to physically distance. You're, you're likely to look at someone who you love and care about and think, well, there's no possible way that person could make me sick. But that's not really how viruses work, right? <laughs> they don't care if you're related. <laughs> um, so that adds this level of, of complexity. One couple I spoke with, uh, Dottie and Kim, they were planning on having a destination wedding. And they just don't see how that's possible because the, several several people who are getting married mentioned this. Like, I know if I asked my friend to come and fly here and be in my wedding, that they would do it. Like, I know they would do it because they love me. But they might be nervous and I might be putting them at risk. And thinking about that of like even, even the ask at that point, it's complicated, Right. Because you don't want to ask someone to do something that you might be nervous to do yourself. Yeah. Even if you think that they would do it or know that they would do it because they love you. Yeah. So then th that's, that's gotten complicated too. There's one woman I spoke with. She herself is immunocompromised. She can't have a big wedding until there's some kind of vaccine yeah. or a way to make it really safe because it's actually a risk to her health, not to mention the health of you know, older people in the family. Yeah. 
And so some of the couples you talk to have decided to um, wait. Maybe they know when their new ceremony will be or maybe they don't. But what are some of the reasons that some people would choose not to wait? There are a lot of reasons not to wait, right? So there's practical reasons and the reasons that a lot of people do get married already, which is, you know, maybe you lost your job and you need health insurance. A lot of people lost their jobs this spring and early summer, and a lot of people are still out of work. And if one of you isn't like still has work and has health insurance, that's a big motivator. Um, You also hear about like I heard some couples talk about like we want to have kids. And this is how old I am right now. This is how old I'll be at the time of the wedding. If we were to move forward with the way that we want to have our lives and our family, if we started having a family, we probably wouldn't go back and have the wedding because it feels like that's a milestone. And then that's, they want to do it in a specific order. Now, not everybody is like that, but there's a lot of motivation not to wait for that reason. But also there are people who, you know, it's typical to plan a wedding 18 months out. That's pretty normal. And if you think about the amount of money that you may have put down and the just amount of investment that you already have in that date and that schedule as like, this is what needs to happen before my life can move forward. There's a lot of motivation to just keep the date. Even if the wedding itself ends up looking different, there's a lot of people who are like, I just want to move forward with this next step. And the pandemic really has a lot of us feeling like we're spinning our wheels, like time has no meaning. Let's not, that's not specific to weddings and wedding planning. That's, I think, a lot of us right now. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. So these big shifts in weddings don't just change things for the couples. What did you learn about how things are changing for the people who make a living hosting or working at weddings? That is a great question. I really got a range of responses. So there was one man that I spoke with who is an attorney who works in Chicago who has a venue outside of Spring Green called White Oak Savannah. And he said, basically, I canceled everything for this entire year. This was going to be our year. People were finally finding out about White Oak, which is this gorgeous renovated barn space out outside Spring Green. And they canceled all of the weddings that they were going to do. They canceled the film festival. They canceled like all these folk music concerts they were going to have there. But he like, he's in a financially stable enough position to be able to do that and can just hold until it's safe enough that he can have gatherings again. There's a lot of folks who I got the strong sense are not in that position. Their income has taken a major hit. There was there are a couple of photographers that I spoke with, one of whom was like, I don't feel like I can say no. I don't feel safe shooting this wedding, but I'm not in a position to return their money. Like I've the retail job that I've taken in the meantime is barely making my making me able to pay my bills. They don't feel safe, but they don't feel like they can do anything about that uh, without basically breaking their contract with the couple. So that's been really tough for folks, especially because a lot of people like photographers, for example, are like independent sole proprietorship kind of businesses. You're self-employed. Basically, you have your own business. I think there's a lot of folks who are feeling very anxious um, and who feel like they really have to make a choice between 
their own personal safety and their livelihood. But you also found that some couples and businesses were making some pretty creative adaptations. What were some of the most interesting ones you saw? I saw so many words for like a mini wedding. One guy up at Badger Farm is calling it a MeWe. And he thinks it's very clever and he wants to trademark it. <laughs> um, and I was like, I think it sounds like a Japanese anime character or something. But <laughs> a MeWe, a mini wedding. I also heard Minimoni which I think is obnoxious, uh, but I put it in the story because it was funny. So mini weddings, micro weddings, mini ceremonies. So basically that's like an elopement plus a little. So you have your, you know, your bridegroom efficient and maybe a couple witnesses, but it's less than 10 people. Um, I thought it was really cool that there were, there was a photographers from Natural Intuition Photography. I think their names are Christine and Justin. And they, he got ordained online. So not only can your photographers be your witnesses, they can also perform your wedding. That to me is, is great. Uh, some of the wedding vendors and like the, like the venues and the photographers and the florists, there was one florist who decided to do a CSA with flowers this summer, which she never would have been able to do because her weddings were just overwhelming usually. But you're finding them trying to like be really creative about doing like photo shoots because they have the time during wedding season, which they normally never would. Bethany Jurowitz, who's actually a, an event planner over at Garver Feed Mill, is she's she had her wedding planned for early May and then they postponed it into August. And now they're going forward with October. It's like the fifth version of this wedding. Poor things. But she was saying a lot of weddings tend to kind of look the same, not look the same, but they have the same structure, right? Where you like, this is what you do in your ceremony. And this is what you do, particularly in your reception, right? You have to have your, your first dance or the cocktail hour or whatever. And they have this formula to them. And she said, maybe that's because most people aren't wedding planners. Most people aren't event planners. So when you come to an event planner and say, I want to have my wedding, they say, well, here are the blocks that you need to fill or here are the, the boxes you need to check. But she's completely rethinking it. She's rethinking how her ceremony might look with families and little lounge pods like around where the ceremony happens. So they're like sitting in little clusters. She said she thinks there's going to be made like changes in the way people eat together at wedding receptions. So instead of having big tables of eight, you know, maybe you'll have a table of two, a table of four, you know, little family units kind of scattered around more like you're at a big restaurant instead of being at a wedding where they usually have the big eight tables of eight. And she said, it's been an opportunity for her to really rethink what weddings could look like and what her wedding in specific can look like too. They're going to be popping up event essentials, tents and canopies outside of Garver Feed Mill over that patio and restructuring the patio and how it looks. They've never done that at Garver before. Garver is less than a year old as this renovated venue. And she's going to use her own wedding as like a test case to see how it would work for other people who might want to book their wedding there and use that outdoor space, which we believe to be more safe in terms of COVID spread. Also, before I forget, I loved that one of my summer brides, um, Tracy, who got married in June, she gave everybody hand sanitizer. There were like little hand sanitizer favors, which I thought was very 2020. And she gave everybody masks. There was one engaged couple where they had like the date of their engagement embroidered on the mask. So I think we're going to see more branded masks, <laughs> like 
Maybe one of your wedding favorites is a mask. Wear it. And how might these pandemic weddings change what other weddings are like post-pandemic? I mean, I, I think that we will see a lot of smaller weddings, 100%. I think we will see a Zoom component or video conferencing component. I feel like weddings are always emotionally complex things, right? Even in the best of times, there's going to be challenges that you have to deal with. And at the beginning of my reporting process, I was seeing a lot of wedding shaming happening around weddings that were happening during the pandemic. And we're seeing a lot of that in general, right? Where people see photos of people on a beach and just attack. And I understand where that's coming from. We're very anxious and there's a deadly virus that's moving around. But I, I'm really hoping that like one of the things that we do see come out of this, and maybe this is optimistic of me, but that we'll see more of a focus on like w- what is the goal of the wedding itself? Like is it to really – is it to connect with another person that you're starting a new life with and to share that with your friends and family no matter what that looks like? Because I do – I used to jokingly refer to the wedding industrial complex, right? It's a, it's a big business. And there's parts of it that maybe need a reset, in my opinion. So I, I think that that some of this could actually be healthy for us, to, like culturally, to take a look at, right? Um, and what we put around weddings and why. Um, one of the things that was really important to me in the story is that I did have, you know, I talked to a queer couple. I talked to some couples of color because I find that a lot of the stuff that's, you know, messaged around weddings is very white and wealthy and heteronormative. And those are also some of the things that I hope we examine a bit more and think deliberately about. So I don't know. I've been seeing some of these micro weddings, these mini weddings, and they can be really beautiful. But I also really respect um, this one woman, Cody, who I spoke to, who was, was hoping to get married in Lake Geneva this November and is now looking at November 2021. She said, I am not one with nature. I'm not an outdoor girl. I, I understand that people love the forest and the trees and getting married outside seems like a great idea to them. It does not seem like a good idea to me. I'm going to wait to have this wedding until... My friends and family and I can dance the night away and then they can all go to their, you know, their hotel rooms in the resort where we're all staying together. And that's the wedding she wants. And she said, I've waited this long. I will keep waiting. So I still think we'll we'll probably see some of that, too. And was there anything that didn't make it into the story that that really resonated for you or that you thought was particularly interesting? Usually when you write a story about something like weddings, that's generally seen as celebratory and fun and lighthearted and aesthetically pleasing. (laughs) You don't expect someone to basically say all of that that I just told you is now off the record. I'm no longer willing to be part of the story. And that happened with this story. And I think that goes to show that these things, even things that are celebratory or fun or happy can get so much more fraught in a pandemic. And that, as I sort of mentioned, weddings are already emotionally complicated. But I do think there was a serious aspect to this story in that people were, in some cases, weighing their livelihood with 
their personal safety. And I think that resonates throughout many industries in this pandemic that we're living in right now. And so I was, I kind of went into this thinking it was going to be one kind of story and it came out being another kind of story. And I still love weddings and I still like believe in love and hope and optimism. But I also think there's a pretty dark and complicated side to this that uh, I kind of had to wrestle with a little bit in reporting it and writing it. So that has really resonated with me. I, I feel for the people who are making these tough decisions. I feel for these couples. I feel for these vendors. And I just want to wish everybody resilience. Absolutely. Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Cap Times food editor and arts writer Lindsay Christians, who writes about how people in Madison eat, drink, and express themselves. Tune in next week for a conversation about our next cover story. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to The Madsplainers on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you do your listening, and leave us a review while you're there. Also, be sure to check out our other podcasts, including The Corner Table, all about food and drink in Madison, and Wedge Issues, all about state politics. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.